0: What if your husband was awesome? Wouldn't that be great? The husband's probably sitting there thinking, What if my wife was awesome? The parents are sitting there thinking, How can I help my children to live in awesomeness? These are important questions, and fortunately, the Bible does not leave us in the dark when it comes to being remarkable individuals. Do you want to be an awesome husband? you want to be an awesome wife? Do you want to be an awesome child? Well, I want to talk to you about that in this podcast. In fact, if you want to read the podcast, guess what the title is? How to be awesome in three easy steps. You can read all about it at our website, rickthomas.net. And I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for the podcast. You're listening to Your Daily Drive someone wrote in our live chat feature a few days ago and they said what is the difference between your daily drive and life over coffee those are our two uh, two podcast platforms your daily drive is the podcast where i put my articles in audio format your daily drive is just for my articles and i am in pursuit <laughs> of getting every article on our website in audio so that you can listen on the the go. And then Life Over Coffee is an eclectic podcast where I do all sorts of things. I typically have show notes for that podcast, but uh, they are not articles. And so that is is the podcast where I have most freedom. I can do whatever I want to, and it is an eclectic podcast that I produce once a week. But what you're listening to now is your daily Drive, and I have a word-by-word article that is attached to this podcast, and I want you to read it because you want to be awesome. And perhaps you are, maybe married to somebody, and you want that person to be awesome. Well, perhaps you can read it together, and you can start practicing this. Now, I realize salespeople pitch us every day hoping to sell us their wares and many of them oversell their products through hyperbolic claims and in the end you're left holding the short end of the stick and you did not conquer the world after all. What I'm offering you here is not hyperbole. It's real, it's proven, and it works. If you follow these three easy steps, you will begin to notice immediate results. I'm serious. I am dead serious. If you follow these three easy steps, you will notice immediate results, and you will be awesome. How to be awesome in three easy steps. I'm not going to prolong this anymore because I know that you're dying to know how to be awesome and you want to get started today. And I don't blame you. So let's jump in so you can begin your new life of awesomeness right now. Here's step number one. You live to serve, not for others to serve you. There is a hint, we find that hint in Mark 10:45 where Jesus said, I didn't come here to be served, but I came here to serve. We have a rule in our home. It is a simple rule. It goes like this, no family member is allowed to outserve another family member. Because at the heart of the gospel is serving others for, one, God's fame, two, your good, three, the benefit of others. Think about how it worked in Jesus' life. He left his place to come to our place so that he could serve others us. Do you see the direction of the gospel? Do you see which way the gospel is moving? It's moving away from you and toward others. It's moving away from me and toward others. It has a serving attitude to it. This perspective is what I call the going aspect of the gospel. The gospel is always going to others, to help them to become better people. Do you want to be awesome? Then step number one, you live to serve, not for others to serve you. When the Lord came to you, he made you better than you were before he showed up in your life. Because of this gospel orientation, serving in our home is a competitive event. If you help me, if you serve me, it will not do just to let that serving stand. No, no, it's a competitive event. I must serve you back. My goal in life is to outserve my wife and my children. If you knew my wife, if you knew my children, you would know that that could be hard to do. But it's a competitive event. I hope that out-serving each other is a competitive event in your home, too. This worldview has been a challenge because my family members are much better at being like Jesus than I am. If your custom is for others to serve you more than you serve them, you might find this gospel attitude a challenge in the beginning. In fact, it would not be three easy steps. This step would not be easy at all. Maybe it would require a gospel reorientation of the heart, which is a biblical way, maybe a nicer sounding way of saying you need to repent. If you are the one that's always on the serving end, as far as being served, then maybe you need to repent. Repent. To repent means to turn around and go another way. The gospel is not about serving yourself, but always about helping others. This attitude of the mind means loving God and loving others becomes your new worldview, your new priority, your new mission statement. We train our children this way we have taught them over and again there are four words the four most important words you could ever learn love god love others two of the critical elements in this new way of thinking of loving god and loving others more than anything else are intentionality and premeditation if you want to love others and love god more than you love yourself, then these two critical elements are vital—intentionality and premeditation. The gospel is intentional. The gospel is premeditative. The gospel-centered servant is intentionally thinking about how to serve others long before there is an opportunity to do so. That's intentionality. You see this idea in Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 5. God was thinking about us in eternity past, planning our salvation as a future event. You see, the Lord did not stumble upon me and think, gee, I need to save Rick. No, not at all. The Lord was pre-thinking Predetermining, do you hear the intentionality in these words? He was pre-planning my salvation long before he served me. He was thinking about me. Jeremiah one five, he said, before I before I called you to be a prophet to the nations, I knew you. To be a Christian is to be in the mind of God in eternity past, thinking of others. The way I'm talking about here, this intentionality and premeditation, it's not like it's not like the husband responding to his wife in the car when she asks, "Honey, where do you want to go for dinner?" Hubby says, well, "I don't know." It does not matter where you want to go, dear. You see, the the serving husband was thinking about dating his wife and had a plan in mind, or at least a suggestion to her long before it was ever asked. He does this because he is intentional and premeditative. His main ambition in life is to serve her. That's why I said that the two critical elements in this serving worldview is intentionality And premeditation. Thinking of others is not like the dad when asked by his kids about the plan on his day off and he says, "Mm, I'm not giving it any thought. The serving dad has been thinking about his day off, planning proactive time with his children because to serve is his ambition in life. You see this idea of intentionality and premeditation in John fourteen three. you know the verse, listen to this, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Doesn't John cheer you up while bolstering your affection for God? Jesus was a strategic planner when it came to his friends. How about you? Are you here to serve others or do you expect them to serve you? I want to give you a few helpful ways that you can think about serving your family members. Again, the title of the podcast, How to Be Awesome in Three Easy Steps. Step one, you live to serve, not for others to serve you. And the two vital elements are intentionality, And premeditation, here are a few things for you to think about. Number one, regularly ask your spouse how you can most effectively serve him or her. Number two, be quick to repent of your sins. Few things will bless another person like repentance. Number three, practice expressing gratitude regularly for your spouse and other relationships. Be specific. Number four, seek ways to encourage your spouse and family members. Number five, think about and plan things for your spouse and family. Number six, be intentional about taking things off your spouse's plate. Number seven, surprise your spouse by your serving. I'm talking about spontaneity here. Living pneumatically, walking in the spirit, surprise your spouse. By serving him or her. And then, violent number eight regularly inquire how your spouse, your children, your friend is doing. Be intrusive. Ask them questions. Be ready to listen without interjecting to what they have to say. Make them answer you specifically. Don't settle for the customary, I'm fine response. Serve them by compassionately and humbly imposing yourself into their lives. Ask them how they are doing. These are just a few ways. Now, you can add to this list, but if you want to be awesome, then step one, you live to serve, not for others to serve you. Ready for step number two? Great. Here it is. You see yourself as a, as a bigger sinner than anyone else. Here's a clue, 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul saw himself as the foremost sinner in his life. Who is the foremost sinner in your life? It's a straightforward question. If it's hard to answer, think about how you feel about others. I want you to think about everybody in your life, including the person who annoys you, And as you think about others, there are two standard ways in which you will think about other people. One, you can look at people with biblical pity and a desire to serve them, or you can look down on people with a greater than, better than attitude over them. The gospel rule of thumb is that no one has sinned against you more than or more significantly than you have sinned against God. There is no other biblical position to take regardless of what has happened to you. From your perspective, you agree with Paul. Paul is the one who said this. And from your perspective, you're the foremost sinner. And this perspective makes it a gospel requirement to show mercy on others because of the kindness that God has given to you. If you have this log in your eye always, then everybody else will have a speck. Or as Paul said, he was the foremost sinner. Jesus said it this way in Matthew eighteen thirty three, talking about the man who was forgiven so much debt, And he went out and began to beat up the guy who owed so little debt. And he said, And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? It should be a biblical impossibility to respond sinfully to someone who has sinned against you. But I know I live in a real world. And I realize forgetting this essential truth is easy. We're all a work in progress. Don't be too tough on yourself if you don't need to be tough on yourself. But as you are progressively working on your sanctification, you must have the right goal in view. And this goal begins with a sober self-assessment. Here it is. Your sin against God is more significant than any transgression committed against you. You see, how you start your race will determine how you will run your race, as well as how you will end the race. You must begin with the right perspective. Paul said it this way, quote, "...Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost." our self-esteem culture cringes at such a thought about personal sinfulness because they do not understand the gospel only a mentally unstable person would think they are somebody in light of the testimony of scriptures If you tend to be harsh or unkind or unforgiving or impatient or frustrated or angry or snarky or sarcastic towards someone, you have fallen into the trap of self-righteousness. You can only respond in these ways to another person by elevating yourself above them. The only way that you can be harsh, unkind, unforgiving, impatient, frustrated, angry, snarky, or sarcastic toward anyone is that you must elevate yourself above them so you can look down on them and have that kind of attitude toward them. That means that they are the biggest sinner in the room. You have the speck in your eye, and they have a log in theirs, and that's not what Paul is teaching in 1 Timothy, the broken person who realizes it's only because of the grace of God that anyone can rise from the depths of despair, will not have such an attitude. When others hurt them, they understand why they did it, because they are guilty of similar things. Romans 2.1 says it this way, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man. Every one of you who judges... For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Rather than spewing some venom from our mouths, we, the broken, realize it was God's grace that made us different. We have received the most profound mercy known to humanity. Paul said it this way to Titus. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. If you believe you are the foremost sinner, you are ready and willing to dispense mercy on a fellow struggler. It takes one to know one. But if you forget who you were before God showed mercy on you, it will probably won't take much for you to forget to show mercy on others. How to be awesome in three easy steps is the title of this podcast. Step number one, you live to serve, not for others to serve you. Step number two, you see yourself as a bigger sinner. And finally, step number three, you are an active repenter. The hint, First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he will forgive us. Now, if you, have made, if you have made it this far in this podcast, you have probably concluded that my title needs to be adjusted. Rick, be real. You said, how to be awesome in three easy steps. Well, being awesome is not easy. You might say, Rick, I'm not Jesus, and I understand. You are not Jesus. You are not perfect, and neither am I, and you will fail at these two simple tasks. Here's what's going to happen. You're like me, You will want to be served rather than serving others. Number two, you see yourself as a, you don't see yourself as a more significant sinner than others. As easy as these two practices may appear on paper, I'm here to serve you, and I'm the biggest sinner in the room. You'll never be able to perfect them, you will fail. Because of the doctrine of sin. The doctrine of sin implies it means you will fail. It is our sinfulness that distorts our minds while moving us off the biblical center. But to God be the glory. He helps us. The Lord has left us with the cleansing agents. When the when the, the window becomes smuddy and smudgy and dirty, he gives us a cleansing agent. It's called repentance. That's why this third step has to be step number three. You are an active repenter because the truth is you will want others to serve you more than you want to serve. And you will see others with the log in their eye while you are holding that little old teeny weeny teeny weeny speck one of the miracles of grace is that we can clean up our messes we can repent we can auto correct we can reestablish our spiritual equilibrium by neutralizing and removing our sins You must make active repentance a priority in your life for your family. That's why I'm not saying you must make repentance a priority in your life and family, though that could be accurate and that could be good enough. But I say active repentance because you want it to always be on the forefront of your mind. You always want uh, your repentance to be active like like your words are like soldiers that that stand on your tongue ready to be released as you ask others to forgive you because you will make mistakes. Repentance is the Christian secret weapon. It is something the world cannot do. They have no grace. They have no spirit. They have no Bible they have no power. These things is a distinct advantage for the Christian family. You have grace, you have the Holy Spirit, you have the Bible, you have power which can make you an active repenter. Repentance is the Christian's redo. Think about taking a test and failing it and then allowed to erase all your mistakes plus being allowed to retake the test again. That's what repentance is. Amazingly, God would let us do this. Now, how about you? Are you an active repenter? Let me ask you a few questions about that. How many times this past week have you gone to your spouse and asked for forgiveness for something you did wrong? Number two, how many times has your spouse or children come to you and ask for forgiveness for their bad attitude or some other sinful deed? If everybody in the family, if any individual in the family is not an active repenter, you're going to have not just a weak link, but you're going to have a problem in that family dynamic. Do your children know they can have all their mistakes erased? by the simple act of repenting. This is school kids' dream. I take the test. I fail the test. I get to erase the entire test. I get to take it again and again and again and again until I can get it right. That is repentance. Are you serving your spouse and family by modeling repentance before them? How to be awesome. In three easy steps. Step one, you live to serve, not for others to serve you. Step two, you see yourself as a bigger sinner. Step number three, you are an active repenter. And there you have it. Do you want to be awesome? I'm ashamed to say that for the first five years of our marriage, I never, cons- I never confessed a single sin to my wife—that's a literal statement. The best that I can believe, uh, best that I can remember, rather, and I do think that she—I <laughs> do think that she will affirm that statement as being true. I was not an active repenting person. My selfishness and my stubbornness blinded me. I was too proud to humble myself before God and others. I'm talking about self-love over serving my wife. The only sin I could see was the sin of others. I did not lead my family well, but it was worse than this. I could not see the simple truths laid out in this podcast. I was blind. My moral compass was spinning out of control, and no one came along to adjust me. Now I don't want you to hear in that statement that I am blaming anyone for not coming along and adjusting me. The truth is, I don't even think that I had ears to hear. Sometimes you can have a trail of people coming along to adjust an individual, but if they don't have ears to hear, it doesn't matter how many people it is, how long the trail is, what they are saying, or how loud they are saying it. The truth is, I didn't have an excuse And the truth is you do not have an excuse if you have listened this far. You can change. If you are not out serving your family members, you need to change. If you see one family member as a bigger sinner than you are, you need to adopt Paul's statement as the foremost sinner. If you are not actively repenting, then you need to do that. If you need to change, Here's what I recommend that you do the following. Here's some things that I will, I'll finish with this and I'll leave you with this and just ask the Lord to help you to apply this in your life. Go to your spouse, your family, and your friends and tell them what you have just listened to. Share with them the pod, this podcast right here or the article And talk to them about how God spoke to you and how you have failed them as a biblical friend. And then ask them to forgive you. Be specific about how you have failed. Ask them how you can most effectively serve them. After I repented of those first five years of our marriage, I asked Lucia how I could be a servant to her which has been a regular question since that time. Maybe that's one of the questions that you want to ask your spouse when you go out on your date. Just have this kind of checkup. Say, hey, baby, how can I serve you most effectively? As a husband or wife, you can ask the same thing of, of your husband. Because you are not Jesus, <laughs> neither am I, we are going to fail this reality is where it's essential that you learn how to repent. I have a short video in this article, actually, that you can watch my teaching called The Doctrine of Repentance, and you can teach them. You, you can practice it yourself, and you can teach your family members how to repent. I have a larger one-hour webinar on our webinar page, but what I would like for you to do is to watch this short 10-minute video, practice the doctrine of repentance, and then appeal to your family members to hold you accountable to serving, understanding you're the bigger sinner in the room and that you want to always be an active repenter. Let these truths become part of your family and community culture. I want you to lead by your godly example. I want you to imitate Jesus. Now let me give you a caveat to this podcast titled, How to Be Awesome in Three Easy Steps. I am well aware uh, that both spouses and every family member will not, will not take up this appeal There'll be some people that will will hold out for various reasons, and they will not they will not capitulate. they will they will not agree, they will not follow you in these steps. And so, if we can help you with specific questions that you may have, Because I realize that a podcast like this can raise those types of questions, then I want you to come to our forum and ask them. Let us talk to you in a customized way, specifically helping you with your unique situation. Jump on our forums and it would be a joy to serve you.